2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. And uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, you can raise your hands real high and our ushers will be glad to loan you one of ours. I know the scriptures will be on the screens, but there's just, I think, a blessing to having a Bible in your lap and opening that Bible. You know, men bled and died to get that book in your lap. So, so let's just uh, honor and honor that and just honor God. If you don't have a Bible, just raise your hand real high or ushers. I get you one, you can use that. We just ask that you leave it on the seat when you leave so that we can use it again next time. Second Corinthians, the fourth chapter. I want to ask you a question today. Why do you believe? Why do you believe? Why do you believe? Now to answer this question, let's look and see why people don't believe. Okay, and if we can understand why people don't believe, then we'll be able to see why they do. Look at 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, and the third verse. 2 Corinthians 4 and 3. But even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has what? Blinded. Has blinded. Now the God of this age, of course, small g there on God talking about the devil. So whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not what? Who do not who do not believe. Why do people not believe? Because their spiritual understanding has been blinded. Who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, whose image of God should shine on them. So why do people not believe? They don't believe because they're blinded. They're spiritually blinded. So to get people to believe, that spiritual blindness has to be dealt with. And that is dealt with in prayer. Did you know that before great revivals break out and sinners come to Christ, do you know that you can go back and see that prayer preceded those? Where people would get together and pray and they would deal with that spiritual blindness. And come against that spiritual blindness and pull that spiritual blindness down, uh, that which blinds the minds of the sinner. And so to, to get people to believe, that has to be dealt with first, that spiritual blindness. I would not suggest sharing Jesus with anyone unless you first prayed for that person and dealt with that spiritual blindness. In, in prayer. Then share Jesus with them. Did you hear me? And then the Bible talked about. Lest the light of the glorious gospel. Should shine on them. For people to believe. They have to be told. They have to be told the gospel. The gospel has to be shared with them. So why do people believe? They believe because. That spiritual blindness. Has been dealt with. And the gospel has been preached unto them why do people not believe because they're veiled there's a veil over that over their spiritual understanding did you hear me and so to get people to believe that has to be dealt with first that spiritual blindness and then the gospel needs to be shared with them i'm just so glad there was somebody praying for me 
in the days of yesteryear somewhere. Huh? Are you glad somebody was praying for you? You think you're believing is just an accident, huh? I'm glad people pray. Amen. And so then, as that spiritual blindness is dealt with and the gospel goes forth, notice, if you would, Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by what? Faith comes by what? By hearing and hearing by the what? The word of God. So once that spiritual blindness is dealt with, then the word of God, the gospel, the word of God goes forth. And when the word of God goes forth to a sinner... Then, as they hear and hear and hear the word, what comes? What does the Bible say comes? Faith Faith comes. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Is that right? I said faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So people believe because that spiritual blindness has been dealt with and the gospel has been shared with them, the word of God's come to them. And then faith comes, and then at that point they have to make a decision whether or not they're going to step into faith and believe the Word of God. Now today, for some reason, the Lord wants me to deal with this aspect of believing as it pertains to miracles, signs, and wonders. As it pertains to miracles, signs, and wonders. How many of you like talking about miracles, signs, and wonders? I mean, I don't know hardly of anybody that doesn't like talking about miracles, signs, and wonders. But, but today what the Lord wants me to do is deal with this aspect of believing as it pertains to miracles, signs, and wonders. Now, we understand that faith comes, how does faith come? Faith comes by what? Hearing, hearing and hearing by the Word of, Word of God. And of course, you know what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Did you hear me? Faith is Now, what is faith? It is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, you need to remember this and don't ever forget it, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, not by experiencing signs and wonders and miracles. Now, you need to understand that. Did you hear what I just said? And we're going to say more about that as we go. You see, will miracles, signs, and wonders cause people to believe? Well, let's just think about the Old Testament for a moment. Will miracles, signs, and wonders cause people to believe? Just think in the Old Testament. Think about Pharaoh. Anybody remember Pharaoh? How many of you remember Pharaoh? Now, did he see any miracles? Did he experience any of God's miracles? I mean, they're judgmental in nature, but how about the sea turning to blood? How about frogs? Everywhere except in Goshen. Is that right? Where the people of God were? How about lice? Flies? Pestilence? Boil? Hails? Locusts? Darkness? Darkness. I mean, remember in Goshen it was light, but over in in Egypt it's dark. The death of the firstborn. Did Pharaoh see and experience a tremendous number of miracles? Yeah, now, now, yes. Now, does the Bible say that his heart was softened by those and he became a staunch believer? Or does the Bible say that his heart became hardened? Now, much we could say about that, but the point here today is, is that he experienced a lot of supernatural things, didn't he? 
and his heart didn't get softer, it got harder. Now let's think about, you say, well, that's Pharaoh, evil man. Let's talk about the children of Israel. You remember them? They, Moses led them, is, is that right, out of Egyptian bondage? Is that right? And didn't, didn't the children of Israel, when they were in Egypt, they, they, they got to observe some of the miracles at Pharaoh? I mean, I mean, it's dark over there and then there's a line and slide over here. How come the frogs stop at the line? I mean, do you understand? They saw basically what Pharaoh saw. And not only that, but they got to see the parting of the Red Sea. Now, how many of you know that's pretty awesome? They got to see Pharaoh coming in on them. I'm talking about children of Israel, you know, and Pharaoh's coming. And then that, 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 that fire of God, you know, that pillar of fire came down and held Pharaoh's army off. Is that right? And then God parts the Red Sea. Is that right? And they walk across on dry ground. And then as Pharaoh enters in, the Israelites are standing and they watch, they watch God drowned Pharaoh's army. Is that right? Did they get to see that? Yeah, and, 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 and did they get to see water come out of a rock? Did, did they get to see that? Did they get to see manna come? Did they get to see, did they get to, did, quail? Miraculous. But notice in Numbers 14.22, Numbers 14.22 sums it up pretty good concerning the children of Israel. Numbers 14.22, notice this. Numbers 14.22, because all these men who have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have put me to the test now these ten times and have not what? Have not heeded my voice. So do mighty miracles necessarily cause people to believe? Did you ever think of Gideon? How many of you remember Gideon? Now an angel appeared to him. How many of you that gets your attention? An angel appears to him. And you know what he asked the angel? He asked for a sign. Now wouldn't the angel appearing be pretty much of a sign? But an angel appears to Gideon and he asked for a sign. And the sign was given. And then Gideon asked for another sign. And that sign was given, and then Gideon asked for another sign. See, my faith is not based on signs and wonders. My faith is based on the Word of God. Did you hear what I just said? Now, I believe in signs and wonders. I believe in miracles, but I'm not basing my faith on those. I'm basing my faith on Genesis to Revelation. How about Elijah? Remember Elijah? He went over to the widow of Zarephath's house. Remember that? And, and, and there was a famine in the land. And he, he caused that, that, that meal and that oil. It, it, it just kept multiplying and multiplying. And some Bible scholars say up to as long as a year and a half. She just had a little left when he showed up. And they're now eating on it for a long time. Is that right? And how many of you that's a, would agree that's a pretty good miracle right there? That's a miracle. But yet, in the process of time, her son dies. He goes in, raises the son from the dead. And then do you know what she said? She said, now by this I know that you're a man of God. Wouldn't the multiplying of the oil and the meal do it? Huh? You'd think so. But there's something about signs and wonders and miracles that even if you get them... As I see in scripture, people want more. 
Give me another one. Show me another one. Give me another one. Give me another one. Show me another one. Dear friends, I'm satisfied with Genesis to Revelation. Amen? Amen? Now you say that's the Old Testament, but let's look at the ministry of Jesus, John 12, 37. Let's look at Jesus' ministry. Now how many of you know Jesus, by the power of God, performed some of the most amazing signs and wonders and miracles and miracles of healing that this world has ever or will ever see? Is that correct? And notice in John, the 12th chapter and the 37th verse... But although he, talking of Jesus, had done so many mighty signs before them, they did not believe in him. Did you see that? It's pretty powerful, isn't it? Look at Luke, the 16th chapter and the 27th verse. Jesus is giving us This true story of the rich man and Lazarus, much we could say about that, but for the sake of this message, notice as Jesus is giving us the narrative in Luke 16, verse 27, remember that the the rich man had died and he went to hell. He didn't go to hell because he was rich. He went to hell because he didn't listen to Moses and the prophets who preached Jesus. Is that right? Now, the beggar... Lazarus, he was in Abraham's bosom. He was in the place of comfort. And notice, as the rich man who is in hell, he's crying out across that great gulf that was fixed over to Abraham, you know. And and remember, the rich man had five brothers back who, who are still up on the earth. And he's concerned about his five brothers who are still up on the earth. He doesn't want them to die one day and come to that place of torment. And notice what he says here in verse 27. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, father, that you would send him Lazarus to my father's house. For I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. In other words, what Abraham said is they have the word of God. Real loud say they have the word of God. Now that's what he said here. They have the word of God. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham. In other words, he's saying, no, the word of God's not good enough. No, Father Abraham. But if one goes to them from the dead, that would be pretty miraculous, wouldn't it? If one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. They will repent. They will believe. But he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded or neither will they believe, though one rise from the dead. Did you see that in your Bible? That's a pretty powerful statement. He said, if you'll not believe this book, you'll not be persuaded even if somebody gets out of of the casket, comes out of the grave and declares unto you. That's a pretty powerful statement. Let's read that again, verse 31. If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, if they do not hear the word of God, neither will they be persuaded or neither will they believe, though one rise from the dead. Do you get that? Is that pretty powerful? Now we could go on. 
How many of you think that it would have been cool to be there when Jesus rebuked the storm? Wouldn't that have been cool? You probably wouldn't have thought it was cool to be there if you'd have been on that, on that boat. When those, some of those seasoned fishermen were in fear that they were going to go under. But Jesus rebukes the storm. How many of you remember that? Oh, if I could just see Jesus rebuke the storm and there'd be great calm, that would, that would, that would cause me to be a believer. Well, it, it, think about those disciples. They, you can, you can read this. I'll just state these. You can look them up in your Bible later. The Bible says when he rebuked the storm that the disciples feared exceedingly. Didn't produce faith. Produce fear. And fear, you see, fear is a manifestation of unbelief. Did you hear me? Faith does not come by observing Jesus rebuking the storm. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Somebody says, oh yeah, wouldn't it have been cool if I could have been out there and I could have watched Jesus walk on the water? How many of you think that'd be cool? Why well, be, think that'd be cool? Well, you probably wouldn't have thought it was cool if you'd have been in the boat. They're about to sink. But nonetheless, Jesus comes walking on the water and the Bible says the disciples saw him walking on the sea. They were troubled and they cried out for fear. Oh, give me miracles, God. Give me miracles and then I'll believe. No, 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 no. They saw Jesus walking on the water. I've never seen anybody walk on the water. Have you? They see him walking on the water. Didn't produce faith. It produced fear in them. You know why that is? Because faith does not come by observing miracles. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. After Jesus is raised from the dead. Did you know they, they saw him, the disciples saw him after he was raised from the dead? Oh, if I could just see Jesus after he's raised from the dead, I'd believe. Well, some of those very disciples were with, that, that walked with him, they saw him after he was raised from the dead. And the Bible says as they went out to the mount where he was, you know, where he ascended back up to the right hand of the Father. The Bible says in Matthew's gospel account, when they saw him... They worshipped him, but some doubted. What's my point? That signs and wonders and miracles do not produce faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I know there's a lot of people that like to see signs and wonders and miracles. And particularly when you're younger, you know. I know you like to think about those signs and those wonders and how cool that would be. And it is cool to have people healed. It is cool to see people healed. It is wonderful. It's fantastic. Magnificent. All for it. Had it happened hundreds and hundreds of times around here. Doctor doctor reported. Doctor confirmed. But that's not why I believe. Did you hear me? I said, did you hear me? 
I believe because of this book. Oh yeah, but if I could see Jesus, if he just appeared to me. Could be the very thing that sets you back in your faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Oh yeah, but if Jesus just appeared to me and talked to me, hey, ding dong, I'm talking to you. You don't need him to appear. You're not mad at me because I called you a ding dong, right? You don't need him to appear. He's already given you. Why isn't this good enough? I believe it is good enough. Huh? Huh? Did you ever notice when Jesus went to his hometown of Nazareth? You ever notice they recognized that he had, because they said, you know, he has performed mighty miracles and mighty works were done by his hands. But did you know that the Bible says in his hometown they did not believe on him? They were aware that he, that he had done some mighty miracles, but they did not believe on him. You know, unbelief is a horrible thing. He, 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 he tried, the Bible says he tried to, it said there he could do no mighty work. He tried to and he couldn't. Can you imagine that? Jesus in his hometown trying to get people healed and he couldn't do it. You've read your Bible, haven't you? And he marveled because of their what? Unbelief. And the Bible said he says that he did lay his hands on a few there with some minor ailments and got them healed. And then do you ever notice what the Bible says? He went about teaching. How do you deal with unbelief? You overcome unbelief by teaching the truth, teaching the word of God. And it's interesting when Jesus, to deal with their unbelief, he didn't go about performing more signs and miracles. He went about teaching the word of God. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, you need to, to be fair, to be fair, I need to tell you this. On rare occasions, say rare occasions. On rare occasions, some people will believe because of miracles, signs, and wonders. But for the few who do, there are countless multitudes that won't. Now, we've looked at many here already today that they, they had signs, wonders, miracles, and it didn't, didn't sway them, didn't cause them to, to, to believe, it didn't produce faith. Now, there are some, as you study the Bible, that, that, that signs and miracles and wonders will, will sway them, but they're few and far between. Let's go to Matthew 11, verse 20. Matthew 11, verse 20. Let's go there. Notice Matthew 11, verse 20 says, Then he began, Jesus, began to rebuke the cities. He began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had had been done because they did not what? They didn't repent. They didn't believe. They didn't repent. Now, again, you got to watch this because this just, again, proves what I've been saying for the last many minutes. 
Then he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. I've heard people say, oh yeah, if I could have just been there when Jesus was doing those mighty works, when he was growing those legs back out, when those maimed people were being healed, when the blind eyes were opened, when the deaf ears were unstopped, when the, the tongues that couldn't speak began to speak, and when people came off the stretchers, oh, if I could have just been there, Oh, wouldn't that have been wonderful? And and I, I definitely believe then. Well, all you have to do is read verse 20. Look at the cities in which he did most of his mighty works. They saw those things and yet they did not repent. They didn't believe. Faith doesn't come by seeing the mighty works. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. But now look at verse 21. Then he says, Woe to you, Chorazan. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. So what do we gain from that? There are some people that a sign or a wonder or a miracle will affect them. There are some, but they're few and far between, aren't they? Uh, evidently, Tyre and Sidon, if they could have experienced those mighty works, they would have repented. Jesus said so himself. But you need to realize that they're few and far between. How many of you remember Saul of Tarsus? Do you remember Saul? He later became the apostle Paul. And he was on the road to Damascus, wasn't he? And he was mean. You wouldn't have liked him. I said, he wouldn't, you wouldn't like Saul. He wouldn't like you. He tried to have you put in jail this morning. Did you hear me? He'd hold the coats while somebody else was stoning you. And he was on the road. He's hardened man against the things of, of the Lord. He's on the road. And all of a sudden, what happened? A bright light shone around him, knocked him to the ground. Remember that? Got his attention, didn't it? I said, didn't it? And he became the Apostle Paul. How many of you remember doubting Thomas? Remember? Unless I can thrust my hand into his side and touch a nail scar in his hand, I will not believe. Remember that? And how many of you know Jesus showed up? He saw him. He felt him. Remember that? And he calls him my Lord and my God. Remember that? He said, Thomas, because you've seen me, you have believed. But then he said this, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. There are a few sprinkled about throughout the word of God that we see would, that, 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 that a miracle or a sign or a wonder would, would affect them. But for the most part, it doesn't affect people. If they get a miracle, they're going to want another one. If they get a sign, they're going to want another one. I remember Jesus was dealing with perhaps some of the most hardened, hardened hearts at one point, And they were just not going to believe on him. And he made this statement. He said, well, if you won't believe me for my words, he said, at least believe for the work's sake. But you know what? They were so hardened that even when he said that, they tried to kill him still. Well, there are some people that just nothing will move them. But you need to realize that you need to not be looking for a sign or a wonder or a miracle. You need to be just looking to this word of God. 
Now notice in John the second chapter in the 23rd verse, go there if you would, John the second chapter in the 23rd verse. I want you to look at how Jesus dealt with or handled himself around those who did believe because some miraculous thing happened. Now let's, let's look at this. Let's see how Jesus dealt with people that did believe because of a miracle or a sign or a wonder. John 2 verse 23. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. So will some people believe because of the some will? But Jesus did not commit himself to them. That's a pretty powerful statement in the word of God. Jesus didn't, we could, that word commit means to trust or entrust. We could read it like this. But Jesus didn't trust them. He didn't entrust them. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men. And he had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. Let me, let me put it to you this way. Jesus realized, and, and I've learned this to be true over the last many, many, many years, almost two decades of ministry, which isn't a long time, but you can learn a few things in that time. That when you do have people that believe because of signs, wonders, miracles, those kinds of things, those people tend to be pretty shallow. And just because they're believing today doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be believing tomorrow. Did you hear me? Just because they're, they're following you today doesn't mean they're going to be following you tomorrow. Don't give me people that are hungry for signs and wonders. Give me people that are hungry for Genesis to Revelation. Those are the kind that will be with you tomorrow and the day after and the day after. And bless God, if you have Genesis to Revelation, there's enough miracle signs and wonders that will take place. But whether we have them or whether we don't, we'll still be solid. Can you say amen? amen? Do you know who Jesus committed himself to? He committed himself to those who believed in him and on him before they saw any miracle signs or wonders whatsoever. How many of you know those apostles? They got to see some stuff, didn't they? But they were with Jesus before they saw any of that. Amen. I know Nathaniel was moved because of a word of knowledge, but other than that, all those guys were with him before they got to see any of those powerful signs and wonders. I don't want people to come here because they know that this is a, is a, is a healing ministry. I want them to come here because they want the word of God. And then we'll get them healed. Amen. Yeah, but don't you want people to come just because they know it's healing, healing ministry? Yeah, they'll come because it's a healing ministry and they come for the wrong reason. When they don't get healed, they won't be back next week. They'll be up the street somewhere or wherever trying to get somebody else to lay hands on them. It'll do as much good there as it did here. Give me somebody that's committed and hungry for the word of God and let's feed them the word of God for week after week after week after week and then we'll get them healed. Amen. Did you hear me? I said, did you hear me? 
And you know something else? On the rare occasions that people believe because of miracles, signs, or wonders, I found that these people typically don't follow God for the long term. Go to John 6. Are you okay? You getting anything out of this? John, the sixth chapter. Let's just look at a few verses here in John 6 and just follow a group of people and see what happens in the end. They, They start out seeing signs and wonders and let's see what happens in the end. John 6, verse 2. Then a great multitude followed him, followed Jesus, because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. So will miracles and healings, will that draw a crowd? Oh, yes, it will. And, and that's what, and, 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 you know, okay. But I, I'll tell you this, it won't keep a crowd. You can write that down as a gospel truth. It'll draw a crowd, but it won't keep a crowd. Great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. Now, after he does this, um, this multitude, along with others, I believe, show up. And then he feeds the multitudes miraculously with the loaves and the fish. And then Jesus goes his way. Did you ever notice something about Jesus when he performed signs and wonders and miracles? He didn't want any accolade for it. Did you ever notice that? He didn't want any accolade. He got out of the way as quick as he could. And he'd tell people, don't tell anybody I did this. Unlike what I, I, I used to be this way when I was younger, some things you have to outgrow. But when God would perform a healing through this ministry, I'd be quick to tell you, you know what? God, uh, 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 God performed, uh, uh, God healed somebody of cancer here when I prayed for him. Uh, you know what? Uh, who cares who prayed for him? I said, who cares who prayed for him? The important thing is that they got healed. Amen. Jesus sometimes right in the middle of a mighty sign and wonder when, when, when at one point they wanted to make him the king and he just got out of he got out of dodge. He got away. He didn't want the limelight. The Bible said he made himself of no reputation. It's not about who God healed through our ministry. It's about who God healed. I don't care who lays hands on him. Do you hear me? Are you okay? So this multitude is following him because they saw these signs and these miracles and then he feeds the multitude and then Jesus goes his own way and in the process of time, over a space of a a short period of time, maybe a, a day or so or two, give or take, whatever, eventually part of this multitude finds him And notice what Jesus says to them in verse 26. He says this. He answers them and says, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Now, what does that mean? That means people are more concerned about their own belly than they are signs and wonders. And what we do know is they weren't following him for the right reason. They were following him for what they could get out of him. I don't serve God for what I can get from him. I serve him because I love him. And I serve him because I want to give my worship and my praise to him. And anything he gives me is just, well, praise God. Too many Christians in this land serving God just for what they can get out of him. And you've got shallow Christianity. 
I like what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said. They said, we know he'll deliver us from the fiery furnace, but even if he doesn't deliver us, we're still not going to bow down to the devil. Amen? And that's why they were fireproof. You want to be fireproof? I'll tell you how to be fireproof. You make a decision to serve God and you're going to serve him no matter what. And you know he'll, you just know he'll deliver you. But even if he doesn't, you're going to serve him anyway. Amen. You don't just serve him on the sunny days. You serve him when it's raining and storming. Amen. Did you hear what I just said? You don't just serve him when you got money in your pocket. You serve him when you have no money in your pocket too. Do you hear me? Anybody can serve God when everything's going good. The true, the true people of God will serve him when things aren't going so good. Did you hear me? And you stick with God long enough, he will provide. Amen. I said he will provide. Amen. If you're in his will doing what he told you to do, he'll show up. Amen. But now he, 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 then, then notice he says, you're not following me because of the signs. You just want some more food. And then in verse 30, therefore they said to him, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? After everything they saw. Now what did I tell you about shallow believing? It said in verse 2 that, 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 that they followed him because of what, uh, because of the, the miracles that he performed and the signs. Talk about shallow. And now they're with him just because of what, uh, what food. And now they want another sign. What, didn't we see that earlier? Gideon, he just give me one more, just give me one more, just give me one more. And then in verse 35, he said, Jesus said, but I said to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. Well, faith is the substance of things, hope for the evidence of things not seen. So did people actually see Jesus and, and, and have miracles and they still don't believe? And then in verse 41, you see the Jews complaining. And in verse 52, you see him quarreling. Let me ask you this. If you've got signs and wonders and miracles going on and, and miraculous provision, can people still be complainers and quarrelers? Oh, yeah. And in verse 66, watch this, from that time. Now, now watch this. Because people have said, oh, if I could see a sign, if I could see a wonder, if I could see a miracle... I had a lady tell me standing back at that door one day after an Easter service. She said, Pastor, if you snap your finger and have lightning hit in that parking lot, I'll come every Sunday. And I just, I said, no, you won't. You're lying to me. Well, I told her the truth. I said, if I snap my finger and lightning hit, you'd explain it away. Just like you've explained everything else away. And I said, then you'd want me to snap it again and then it hit a second time. And then you still wouldn't be back for very long. She didn't like that. But I told her the truth. Haven't seen her again from that day to this. Look at this crowd here. They followed him. They saw these signs and these wonders and these miracles. They saw of it. And then they got the food. They're just following him because of the food. And they're still complaining. They're still quarreling. They want more signs. They still don't believe in him. And look at verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. 
Is it possible you can have signs and wonders and miracles happening and still people will walk away? Certainly. And then he says to the twelve, do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter to answer him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. See, Peter was more concerned about the word than he was the miracles. He was more concerned about the word than he was the, the loaves and the fish. Amen. That's what we want. We want to be more concerned about the words than we are the signs and the wonders and the miracles. Peter was with him before he saw any signs and wonders and he stuck with him, didn't he? And then in verse 69, he says, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Amen. That blindness was removed. Amen. They heard the, the, the gospel. Perhaps through John the Baptist. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And it got Andrew, didn't it? And then Andrew went and told Peter. Is that right? And Peter grabbed a hold of the word of God. You see... Peter was there on the mountain. Remember the Mount of Transfiguration? How many remembers that? When the voice came from the more ex, most excellent glory. This is my beloved son and so on. Remember that? How many remembers that? And Peter made the statement in one of his letters. He said, I was there. I heard the voice. But he said, we have a more sure word of prophecy. Right here. Pastor, wouldn't you like to hear a voice from heaven? Not particularly interested in it. I'm interested in this book right here. Could God speak in an audible voice? Sure he could. I'm more interested in this book right here. Yeah, but don't you want signs and wonders going on in your ministry? Have already had that. And we'll have more. But I'm more interested in somebody like John the Baptist who performed no signs, no wonders, no miracles. He simply said, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus said he's the greatest prophet ever born of a woman. You know, one of the greatest revivals in all of history happened in Nineveh. And from my study, there was not one sign, not one wonder, not one miracle that took place in Nineveh itself. All we have there is Jonah goes in there and he says, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be destroyed. And how many of you know that there was a citywide revival? How many of you know there was? Yet no signs, no wonders, no miracles, just the preaching of a prophet, preaching the word that God told him to preach. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, Jesus said that Jonah was assigned to Nineveh. What did he mean by that? Well, I'm sure, and I can't prove this. Somebody asked me one time, what did Jonah preach in Nineveh? Well, all I could tell you is, is that Jonah went to Nineveh and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. How could he be assigned? Well, all I can say is maybe Jonah had a fish story for Nineveh. What do you think about that? But even so, those people in Nineveh had to believe the word that Jonah spoke because they weren't there. When that happened to Jonah, they had to take his word for it. 
You know, Jesus got right upset with some of his disciples after he had been raised from the dead and some of his disciples had saw him and they went and reported it to some of his other disciples and these other disciples did not believe and Jesus shows up and chews them out and he says, why didn't you believe the word of these other guys? Listen, friends, I don't have to see it to believe it. I don't have to feel it to believe it. I don't have to smell it to believe it. I don't have to hear it to believe it. I don't have to taste it to believe it. I believe it because God said it. Amen? Period. The Bible says that these signs will follow those who believe. It's not the other way around. The signs follow the believer. I believe regardless of any signs, but because I believe there will be signs. But the signs follow my believing. My believing does not follow the signs. You remember what the Bible said? The Bible said that God worked with the disciples, confirming the word with signs following. Yes, the signs are a confirmation, but I don't need the signs. All I need is the word. But if you have the word, you'll get the signs. Amen? Say, these signs will follow those who believe. Do you need signs and wonders to believe? I just need the word of God. You want to talk about signs and wonders for a while? I'll talk about signs and wonders. Been in the healing ministry now all these years. Have seen hundreds and hundreds of people healed. Have slapped knots on the back of people's necks in the name of the Lord Jesus. And within 24 hours, that, they're, they're gone. Have had lady, one lady come in and have had a couple of them. One lady come in and had a report and, and we prayed for her and she goes back to the doctor, comes in dancing and jumping up and down. She's got the report that she's healed. Have seen cancers healed. Have seen fibromyalgia healed. Have seen eyes healed. Have seen ears popped open. Amen. The interesting thing though, is I've walked out and proved out what, what I just taught you from the Word of God this morning. The majority of all those people that have been ministered to by the power of God in this church, they're not here today. See, signs and wonders and miracles don't keep people. I remember there was one occasion. I, I, you want to talk about, say name, rank, and serial number. Yeah, you know what I mean? Word of knowledge, tell tell somebody. I stood right over here one day under the power of God. And I'm not saying this to draw attention to myself, but you need to realize some of these things. Gave a late, told her exactly what she'd written in her prayer log some uh, three years ahead of time. She was just astounded, just astounded, just astounded. Ooh, but man, I just can't believe that. Uh, one, one lady told her up here by the Spirit of God, just uh, time and time again, where are these people today? You think if somebody get healed of cancer, you think that would affect them? You think that would keep... We've had people healed of cancer. I'm thinking of one guy got healed of cancer. I mean, I, I met with him and, and they, they diagnosed him with cancer. He, he, I mean, he's not good. He's going to die. We got him healed, praise God. 
Where is he at today? I'm just saying. Signs and wonders and miracles, as wonderful as they are, won't keep people serving God. They won't keep people... You, you, you can get people to a church. If you, if, you, if you advertise a big healing meeting, healing crusade, you, you get people to come, all right. But it's not going to hold people. Did you hear me? I've had more healings and miracles and signs and things in this ministry than you can shake a stick at. I've had God, I've had God speak to me supernaturally when I was a young, young boy, probably around between 18 and, and 21, 22. He spoke to me supernatural on three different occasions concerning the ministry and some things about the ministry and whatnot. And, uh, but you know what? In my darkest times, oh, I'll think about those things, but those things don't hold me. You know what I go back to again and again? Amen. That book. That book. I said that book. Thank God for the supernatural leading of the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the signs. Thank God for the wonders. Thank God. And I know young kids a lot of times, they, you know, whoo, they like the, you know, they like the, because I was the same way. I like these signs and these wonders. And, 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 and we should be enthusiastic about God being on the move and all that. But I'm just, why did I teach this message today? Just to give you an anchor. That we all need from time to time to hear about this. But let's don't get so excited about signs and wonders and needing signs and wonders and needing heal need that we lose the fact that all we need is this word right here. These signs will follow those who believe. Don't get it the other way around that you're following signs and wonders to believe, but believe regardless. And then the signs will follow. And whether they do or whether they don't, you're going to still find me believing God tomorrow morning. What is your anchor? Is your anchor the word of God or is it some supernatural manifestation? It's the word of God. So that's what I want you to take away from this message more than anything else. As I'm, I'm done now, I just want to tell you this. What I want you to take away from this message is you always hold on to the words of this book. That's what you hold on to. It's this book that can fix every single problem that's in your life. This book. This book right here, Genesis to Revelation. That's what you hold on to. I'll say it again. You don't need an angel appearing. You don't need a sign of wonder. You don't need a word of prophecy. What you need is this book. Amen? You okay? Praise God. Stand with me if you would. Just in the presence of God, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I want all of us to just briefly, right before we close the service, to examine our hearts. Why do you believe? Well, you believe because somebody prayed for you at one point and dealt with that spiritual blindness. Somebody declared the word to you and then you made a decision to believe it. And that word is your bedrock. That word is your foundation. That word is what you hang on to. And that word never changes. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
If you've gotten away from that in any way, shape, form, or fashion, this is a good time right now, right between you and the Lord, right where you stand, to recommit yourself to the Word of God. The Word of God is all I need. Don't need anything else. Just the Word of God. 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 Now, I want to say this with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here today at this service and you've never believed, you've never believed on Jesus, you've never asked the Lord into your heart. See, when I was younger, I used to think this. Well, if I could have somebody come forward in a wheelchair and I'd release the power of God and get that person to come out of the wheelchair, then... People would come and get saved. And I think from this message you can see today, I don't want you to come and get saved because somebody got out of a wheelchair. I want you to come and get saved because you're ready to make a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. A commitment to His Word. A commitment to His way. Whether somebody gets out of a wheelchair or not. Did you hear me? So if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus into your heart, apart from any sign, apart from any wonder, miracle, or anything like that, I'm asking you today, when we dismiss this service in just minutes from now, there'll be some men and women standing up here in front. If you've never, with a a repentant heart, asked Jesus to come into your life, you need to do that before you leave here today. There really is a heaven and there really is a hell. God doesn't want you to go to hell. He wants you to go to heaven. But that's not going to happen by accident. You're going to miss hell and make heaven by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you've never done that, do that today before you leave. Maybe you're here and maybe you've gotten a little cold in your walk with the Lord. And you'd like to get fired back up. Well, you can come to the front also after we dismiss. And there'll be people up here to pray with you. To get you back on fire. To rededicate your life. To the Lord. If you've never been baptized with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, people up here after the service will pray for you as well. I still believe in the baptism in the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Amen.